It's our wrap of the top business stories here on Metro FM Talk and uh, joining me to uh, take a look at the big stories in the world of money and power. I'm joined by Carl Gevers, who's the co-founder and director uh, and portfolio manager at Benguela Global Fund Managers. Carl, good evening to you and welcome. Yeah, good evening, Ayabonga. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Carl, let's maybe start off there, I guess, in the aviation sector. I mean, two stories that I found uh, rather interesting. One story is from IATA and the other from the Civil Aviation Authority. Let's maybe start off with the international body. Uh, they are saying that, uh, uh, you know, uh, with COVID-19 and having to prove that you've tested negative and all manner of those things, that paper-based approach might be open to fraud uh, and that uh, they're looking to build, I guess, an end-to-end data platform uh, that allows them to do this without ha having to use any paper. Um, let's talk about this and I guess also the implications on them on an effective, I guess, slowdown in air travel? Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe just starting with that second part is is that air travel has been, you know, heavily impacted, especially international. Um, I mean, they're saying global international travel is down 89% from, from normal levels. Um, so it's certainly a big impact. And I think where these vaccine passports that they, they're talking about uh, and essentially saying, they would want them um, digital, standardized globally, um, and, and also, you know, digital so that the, the level of fraud is reduced. But the main reason for, for those is to mm. reduce the requirement of quarantining, because that's one of the big inhibitors at the moment of international travel. People don't want to travel and have to sit in a hotel at the airport for two weeks. Um, so I think uh, that... That they have to pay for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it'll certainly... Um, be a driver for getting that uh, global uh, travel industry back on, on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if we are to take a look at some of the remarks that come through from the, I guess, oversight body, uh, the Civil Aviation Authority, I mean, probably not the best news to hear from them uh, if uh, you're a consumer of air travel, uh, especially their recollection of how many accidents we've had in 2020. Yeah, the, the CEO of the, the South African Civil Aviation Authority is concerned about the number of accidents um, in that, that sector. Um, there have been a lot in, in the sort of uh, recreational and, uh, and training area. Um, and yeah, I think certainly I think that the, that they would like those numbers to be down. Uh, I think uh, she said by, by about 50%. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess it's, mm. uh, it's a matter of compliance and ensuring that and the regulations are in place, um, but it's yeah, it's not an easy one to to try and uh, uh, you know monitor. The, the the whole body will need to really ensure that uh, everything's up to scratch when it comes to the aircraft maintenance and training. And I, and I guess that you know, for me, my next question is really around um, you know the sector itself. Uh, I mean. We, we don't only find it in tough going here in South Africa. You know, we saw the Comet Air business rescue. We know what's happening at SAA. But also, if you go to Europe, I mean, that, uh, you know, Air France KLM uh, bailout that we, we heard from, you know, the, the French as well, I guess, signaling uh, the tough times that are happening in the airline industry out in France. Yeah, I think uh, across the, the board, uh, airline industries are... Under, under huge pressure and, and you know, getting bailouts uh, or, or getting new equity partners in and, and so on. Um, and, I mean, there was talk, you know, there were some questions about whether there could be some, um, uh, you know, corporate activity 
maybe some buyouts. But I think the, the reality is that none of the airlines have money to, to try and buy another airline. So if anything, there could be maybe some mergers if, if that uh, could be the case. But uh, most of them would would you know would have just reduced their their total operation uh, in terms of size, and hopefully when things get better, they they can build that up again. But certainly, it does help to have uh, national carriers that that do get state uh, support. Um, that also brings a lot of comfort mm. for for you know buying if you buy an air ticket, you know uh, you know the risk of losing your your money is, is probably reduced if it's a sort of national carrier. Yeah. I guess the other question marks are around what all of this is going to mean for the reconfiguration of routes in the sector, uh, which I guess is a big part of how any airline makes money. Uh, you have to be working on the sort of most profitable routes um, and really, I guess, uh, making sure that your fleet is carrying the necessary volumes uh, and uh, effectively doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of technical stuff, but I think the ones that are able to, to, to operate, uh, you know, the, the right routes are, are definitely the ones you're going to be better off. And, and maybe in time, you'll see the, the difference in performance between the different airlines, the ones that are able to just, uh, you know, SAA hasn't been flying for, for months now, so they'd have to rebuild all of their routes um, from scratch, whereas other, other airlines that have had capacity to, to operate um, are, are doing, you know, are servicing at least the routes that are, are paying at the moment and, and will, be, will have a head start. Mm-hmm. And shift, I guess, slightly, uh, Carl, away from uh, you know the aviation sector, and maybe before we do, I mean, uh, we've taken a look, I guess, at the IATA and the Civil Aviation Authority. We've also seen some numbers coming through from the Airports Company of South Africa. They only expecting the sector to rebound around 23-2024 or so. Uh, but um, I guess you know, hypothetically, if we were to see you know, a step change in our vaccination program, might those timelines come in a lot sooner? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think th- th- that's where the vaccination rollout is quite important to get. You know, if we, we are behind in our tourism sector, you know, countries where they they are ahead of the curve in terms of vaccinations will, will attract, uh, you know, their tourism sector will recover quicker. Uh, and, and certainly it will, um, you know, and the tourism is linked to, to the, the air travel. Um, so I think it's certainly a, a high priority to try and increase that the rate of vaccinations, um, which seems to be going in the right direction if we listen to the, the health minister. But um, yeah, I mean, 2023 is not not a far way away. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, hopefully we can things can normalise a bit sooner. But uh, it will it will certainly take time. Uh, uh. Interesting story now coming out of Adapt IT. I mean, uh, certainly uh, an entity I've tried to follow for the last few years or so of uh, covering, uh, you know, business news, uh, you know, founded uh, by uh, their CEO there, Sibu Shabalala. And it seems now, I guess, the, the market's really rewarding them for all of the interest from uh, all manner of potential suitors, one being the huge group and I guess the, the other, uh, this uh, Canadian group called Voltaris. Give us some of the background and the context of this, Carl. Yeah, so it, um, the huge group came to the party earlier, I think, was it this year? Yeah, earlier this year, um, to, to effect, effectively buy um, the Adapt IT, but with, with script. So shareholders of uh, Adapt IT would get the new, would get huge uh, 
shares. Um, and I mean, in terms of market cap, Huge is not that much bigger than Adapt IT. I think Huge is at about a billion. Um, and Adapt IT actually at the moment is not far away from that. So it wouldn't be mm-hmm. much of an acquisition, more of a, a merger, if you can call it that. Um, so in terms of the benefits there for shareholders, would be a larger group and some synergies that uh, you know huge group is looking to to extract. Um, but now what's happened is, and and in fact that huge group offers has also become a bit hostile. Management's not too keen on it, um, and and that's now brought to it, the table. Is that because of the other offer? Yeah, I think that. I mean, is that because of the value of the other offer? Yeah. Yeah. So so the other offer from um, Polaris is an all-cash offer, so it would be them buying the entire um, shareholding of, of Adapt IT um, mm-hmm. at, a, at a pretty healthy premium, a 56% premium on, on the latest price, and that sent that Adapt IT share rallying up uh, 37% uh, today. So I think, um, you know, from a shareholder point of view, the, the, the latest offer in terms of cash would probably be more lucrative. I mean, there is an argument uh, about losing a you know, a, a pretty decent IT company from our market um, by by having that buyout offer. Where with a huge group, that wouldn't be the case. But I think with a huge group, there there'd still be significant um, merger risks. You know, um, so yeah. In terms of mm-hmm. that Polaris offer, um, there's still time. I mean, till the end of June to accept it, um, and then before Feb 22 uh, to implement. So. Uh, it will be an interesting uh, battle. And, and just, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, your perspective based on the work that Adapt IT does, the markets it operates in, um, and you look at the two deals here, I mean, maybe patriotism aside, if you were Smoosh Abalala and his team, which one would you be looking at uh, and giving some consideration to? Because I, I guess the issue is, isn't just about you know, the quanta of what is on the table, but also all manner of other issues around potential synergies, what it might mean for shareholder value and so on. Yeah, I mean, I think to, to, from from my point of view, I would say the, the Volaris offer seems a bit more um, clear-cut. Uh, it, it, there's no, um, you know, clash of cultures in terms of any mergers or any confusion about who's managing, who's in charge, um, because it'll be a... a take over and, and existing management will continue operating the group with the backing of, of, uh, of Volaris, which, which has a number of IT uh, subsidiaries. So I think it'll probably be beneficial. Uh, look, I mean, from a shareholder point of view, you, you get paid out and you're not a shareholder anymore after the, um, the offer. But for the, for the mm. business itself, I think uh, the opportunity is probably bigger with the Volaris offer. Um, and also for management, it will be more attractive to to not have any um, you know culture clashes in, in a merged entity. Yeah, yeah. What what would you say has made Adapt IT such an attractive proposition? Um, I mean, it's not every day in the marketplace where you see you know two entities lining themselves up here for one acquisition target. Um, uh, in the way that we're seeing here, I mean, uh, especially, I guess, in, in the world of IT services uh, and that kind of thing. What about, you know, the, the Adapt IT story has, has made it so compelling for, for these two suiters? Yeah, I think, uh, look, I mean, the, the, 
the share price of Adapt IT had been, you know, quite depressed from, you know, not not too long ago. It, it traded at 16 rand, and then um, in September last year, it was down at 1 rand 23. So I think just the price was a, a big opportunity. Um, and it, since then, it's rallied back up to over 6 rand. Um, so I think that, that was the initial um, uh, probably the, the the interest element, especially from the huge group, um, and then I mean the Volaris uh, opportunity. Also, I mean you, you're getting a, a pretty decent you know tech business. Uh, they've grown. They've they've uh, you know Spoo's grown it. You know he's a founder and he's been around. Um, so it's it's really I think it's a, a pretty decent operation. So a good footprint to have into the South African market and African market. So I think that's probably where uh, Volaris is looking at uh, getting getting access to. Mm, mm. It's certainly one that we're going to be watching quite closely, I guess, in terms of, um, you know, that particular uh, foot race, uh, who manages to be able to acquire Adapt IT and what it is going to mean for some of the exiting shareholders, uh, I guess, by way of the consideration price there in that particular deal. Now, I want us to take a look, uh, Carl, at this uh, one billion US dollar COVID-19 emergency loan from the BRICS Bank. So you haven't heard much about the new development bank in the last few years or so, a bank that uh, South Africa is one of the founding members of, uh, having been part of the initiating group in 2014. What is this loan for? Um, and I guess, does it come quite late in the day, uh, one might ask? Yeah, so the, the BRICS Bank or the new development bank, as it's called, um, has dispersed uh, quite a few of these kind of loans to, to its members. Um, I think in total, it looks like about $9 billion that they've already uh, dispersed. And it's, it's mainly for, to, to support, I mean, in our case, to support uh, the, the local economic recovery um, from, from the pandemic impact. Um, so the question would be, um, you know, how would it be, you know, how would it be spent? I think that's probably the, the big question one, one would have. Um, and we don't know exactly the duration and, and the rate that's been charged on it. Um, but it certainly um, would come in handy, you know, in terms of the presidential employment stimulus plan, uh, creating jobs, um, maybe towards a bit of social protection where, where jobs were, were lost. Um, but I think important is that it gets applied in, in the right areas that are actually driving economic growth um, because you have to repay the, the loan at the end of the day. And in, in fact, the, an entire uh, debt that the country is picking up, um, you do need growth to be able to pay down mm. that debt eventually. So I think that, uh, that's, that that's probably the bigger question is, is how is it going to be applied to, to be effective. So, so I guess one of the things that's been suggested is that this loan would assist many of the furloughed workers. It would assist many of the workers who have, uh, I guess, uh, been retrenched from their work in need of some form of top-up to their salaries or social protection. So, so maybe much of what has already been happening during the COVID-19 moment. Um, uh, what do you make of it, I guess, in that context, where I guess it's aimed at responding to the labor market and the household implications of, of this virus and what it's meant at, uh, you know, at a firm level? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in, in, from that point of view, maybe, like you say, maybe it's a, a bit late because, I mean, the, 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 there's been a lot of uh, uh, impact already. Um, and, and to be honest, I, I don't know 
which program would you know uh, would cover that currently um you know in terms of of financial support you know like in the US they've got basically those um uh checks that they send as financial support where here we haven't had that you know as clear a, a system that can support uh, you know people that have lost their jobs or been furloughed so i think yeah it it certainly is important and maybe a, a portion of it would go towards that kind of initiative um and another element would be to actually generate uh, employment uh, to get them reemployed and and uh, ensure that there's sustainable um employment as opposed to just a, a short term solution uh, financially Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's, it's it's worth considering. I mean, uh, you guys are in the markets, Carl. Uh, any word on the terms? Uh, because I guess a lot of the debate we were having last year was around the terms of different financing options for our COVID response. Uh, and many people were, you know, were really punting some of what was coming out of multilateral agencies because of the favorable interest rates. Any word on the terms of this particular one? I haven't seen anything. I mean, that... Um I imagine that would be reasonably friendly, given that it's a, sort of a, 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 um, a loan to a partner, so between the, the BRICS countries. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything on, on the, the term or the, the rate uh, of, of that loan. It would be interesting, actually, to compare it to the IMF and so on. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl? We'll have to leave it there, but uh, real pleasure catching up with you, and thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you.